Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great pleasure to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Silvio Carrillo. He is an Oakland-based freelance multimedia journalist, director of the website BertaCáceres.org, and nephew of Berta Cáceres, a Honduran activist who was assassinated there in March 2016 after being awarded the Goldman Prize for her environmental activism. Carrillo just wrote the New York Times op-ed America's Blind Eye to Honduras's Tyrant, uh, which I recommend reading. I don't usually recommend reading the New York Times. Uh, Silvio, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, so you, you've written about the current president, uh, Juan Orlando Hernandez uh, of Honduras, uh, and uh, the legitimacy of his election. What's the, what's the story there? Well, it's a pretty complicated story, uh, but to simplify, he uh, illegally changed the Constitution, um, or actually attempted to change the Constitution, which that in itself is illegal, according to the Honduran Constitution, got himself um, stuck to the Supreme Court with, uh, with uh, people that support him, and um, got himself back on the ballot, well, with U.S. approval. Uh, it's pretty. I mean, it was it was generally pretty basic, but it, it took some. It's taken a long, um, it's taken a long time to be able to do this. Uh, Manuel Zelaya tried to do this, and or allegedly tried to do this in 2009, and um, that was the reason why um, why there was a coup in 2009, and it was supported by the U.S. And now this government uh, has managed to get themselves uh, Juan Orlando has managed to get himself reelected with the support of the U.S. government, and it all has to do with um, access to uh, for the U.S. to military bases, um, access uh, to um, training uh, military, uh, under a military, and, um, which, which is a big business for the Defense Department. Um, and the State Department is, is, is ignoring any kind of human rights violations, any kind of corruption, and they're just going along with with their man Juan Orlando. So the U.S. position on the Constitution in Honduras is as inconsistent as its position on human rights and anything else. That is, uh, Zelaya better not touch it, but Hernandez can go ahead. That's right. Um, it plays in their favor. Um, there is an understanding between Juan Orlando and the uh, U.S. Embassy there and the State Department. And um, and it's a it's a you know pretty happy relationship. Um, he can pretty much get away with anything. Clearly, he's already killed. Um, his forces have killed at least thirty people uh, since the election. And and those forces include U.S. trained fighters. Is that correct? Well, the deal is there's a little caveat there. Um, there there's a specific police force that. Juan Orlando created. Now, that specific police force apparently was not trained. That doesn't mean that they are not supported by U.S. trained groups. And also, it doesn't necessarily mean that people haven't been trained by the U.S. and moved into that, into that force. So there is this military police force that is surrounded, basically, by U.S. trained uh, 
but the post-election violence, this election was back in in November, I guess, uh, was violence uh, um, from the side of the government, of the, of the president or the claimed president, uh, or from protesters? Well, it was people, I mean, uh, the protesters who were protesting stolen elections um, were out peacefully, uh, you know, attempting to have themselves heard. Right. And the Honduran government sent out these police, these repressive police military forces um, to control and contain um, people who are rightfully protesting their right to a free and fair election. And yeah, these, these, I mean, they even stopped um, and, and took photos of IDs. They do this all over the country, but they did that to my cousin, who is now running the organization that my aunt, Berta, um, organized and ran. And they stopped and took photos of their, of all of their IDs. All the people were members of COPIN, which is the name of the organization that my aunt uh, created, and, and were taking photos of their, and of them, of their IDs. This is an indirect threat to them, to their lives. It means that they have their photos and can at any point identify them and single them out, target them. The, uh, the, there's this public relations firm in Washington, D.C. called Keybridge Communications, which a, a lot of people who can afford to will pay $5,000 to get their op-ed into U.S. newspapers for them. Uh, and, right. you, and, and you wrote that, this, that, that uh, Juan Orlando Hernandez hired this Washington, D.C.-based PR firm to, to spin the, the story of this violence. And I, and I haven't heard any sort of uh, outrage whatsoever, much less on the level that we would hear if the, if the Russian government had hired some Washington-based PR firm to spin something. This seems to be generally okay with the U.S. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no doubt that the Russians probably have right several uh, firms, but um, the uh, this isn't the, like the first or only one that the Hondurans have paid. In 2009, it was Lanny Davis, who was of the Clinton circle, um, and he even got a hearing in uh, in in 2009, 2010, maybe 2009, late 2009, where he was able to justify the coup that had just occurred. And he was lying through his teeth about how, how you know, this was justified. This whole coup in 2009 was justified. And so they're doing it again. Um, they had a different PR firm back in the summer. They've, uh, or I think, recently hired um, this new one, Key Bridge. And they did manage to get an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. The person is... Um, is a very uh, conservative writer uh, who's written several op-eds uh, against, <coughs> excuse me, against Venezuela and against other countries in the region, um, pushing extreme right-wing policies. And she's done it again for them uh, earlier, I think late November, maybe early, I guess it was really early December, um, and got it put in the Wall Street Journal. And so these are these are the kinds of tactics. I mean, the Honduran government isn't 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 uh, they're not amateurs at this, and they're probably getting some guidance uh, from um, maybe perhaps from the U.S. State Department or from uh, from uh, other organizations related to them. 
We're speaking with Silvio Carrillo. Uh, see the website bertacarceres.org. Uh, Silvio, the the U.S. State Department, you write, uh, sort of reapproved a, a position that would give millions of dollars to the Honduran government, uh, U.S. dollars to the Honduran government, just two days after this disputed election. Is that right? That's correct. It's a, um, a certification they have to get every year for the State Department for Congress to release money. And so what's happened, what happens is that the, the State Department certifies that Honduras has uh, completed all these uh, all these uh, levels of, of, of um, how do you call it, of, of, for instance, human rights abuses and like they're, you know, they've got all these levels where they've got to reach and the State Department is claiming that they've, that they've reached them. And it's hard to believe that they would they would say that they've reached these levels because I mean for the last for the last ten years it's been nothing but violence in Honduras and perpetrated by the Honduran government if not exacerbated by the Honduran government who's armed its police forces to the teeth. I mean, there's a reason why 100, 120, almost 130. Um, Environmental activists, that's just environmental activists, have been killed since 2010. In journalists, the number of journalists that have been killed is, is surprisingly high as well. It's one of the most dangerous countries in the world for journalists, and there's not a war happening in Honduras. So, and and one, of the most, one of the most dangerous places in the, in the world for anybody, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much anybody. Um, and this is, you know, this, this, it's a vicious cycle because this um, justifies Juan Orlando's uh, claim that he needs help from the U.S. government to to fight crime, or drugs, or whatever. And and then people are, are why would you stay in a country like that if you're you know, if, if there's violence everywhere? Your heroes, you know, Berta Cáceres, my aunt, the few heroes that this country has, you know, you get assassinated. Like why why would you stay there? And of course, we're we're adding to this because then we train their police, we train their military, and we give them money. I mean, we give we gave them um, a share of seven hundred fifty million dollars, the Alliance for Prosperity uh, program for the three countries, the Northern Triangle countries, and we continue to justify this because of the violence that allegedly is the crime rates. But there's claiming that they're they're dropping. The Honduran government controls the crime rate. So there's no way of actually telling if the crime rate is actually going up or down because they control, the Honduran government itself controls the crime rate. Yeah. Well, this is, you and I don't do these horrible things. This is the use of, of we to mean the U.S. military and the U.S. State Department. Right. But uh, it, it seems that there, there are a few Congress members who have raised concerns. Have they, have they done anything? And what, what could they be doing or should they be doing? Well, what we should be doing is pressuring more congressmen to sign on to the Berta Cáceres Act, which is... Um, H.R. 1299, which was uh, introduced by Congressman uh, Johnson, Hank Johnson, in March of last year. Now, that bill so far has about less than 80 co-signers. And, um, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not delusional. We, 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 
you know, it's a Republican-controlled Congress. So we don't necessarily believe they're going to get to a, a vote on the House floor for it. But it's, a, it's the, the more we get, the more cosigners we get, the better it is because it shows that there is there is a movement that there are people who are very concerned about this us funding basically violence in Honduras perpetrated by the government and corruption. Um, is there a so Senate bill people, too? No, not yet. There is talk of a Senate bill, um, and this this event in late November, the election, will probably, hopefully, will be able to get help us introduce. Them. Uh, very good. We should work on that. Um, the uh, I, I think a lot of people, of course, are not aware of uh, of what's just happened, but a lot of people remain unaware of what happened in 2009 and what role that played in creating uh, the government and the society that now exists in Honduras and the role of Hillary Clinton's State Department uh, in facilitating that coup. Can you can you talk about what the evidence is uh, of the U.S. Uh, support for that coup uh, eight years ago? Sure. Um, what happened was, as soon as, well, I, I don't ever, I mean, it's it's pretty well known, uh, if you read reports from around that time, that Zelaya wasn't really well liked by the State Department. Uh, it was Manuel Zelaya, who was elected in 2006, democratically elected in 2006 in Honduras. And uh, what he did was he did things like he raised the minimum wage for uh, the second poorest country in Latin America. Um, he did uh, many things that empowered the indigenous people on the right. The right wing um, was upset by this. the business elite that, I, that controls the finances in Honduras, the 10 to 15 families that own everything you know, do us literally everything. Now, Zelaya wasn't uh, a saint, of course, by any means. But as Zelaya went along in his during his term, he began um, to have a closer relationship, it seemed, with uh, Chavez, Hugo Chavez of Venezuela, and the State Department did not appreciate that. And so when it came time for the coup in 2009, in June of 2009, the State Department kind of looked the other way, even as the U.S. ambassador in Honduras, Hugo Yorin, was sending cables back, saying this is completely illegal. Not that there's a legal coup, but this is a um, made-up reason for for this coup. And it has no legitimacy. And you can see it in his WikiLeaks cables back to the State Department. Yet, Hillary Clinton came up with this plan to negotiate. Now, that's an important word. This negotiation means, once, once you say that word, um, it means that it's over. The, fight, the, fight, the struggle is over. It means that the U.S. is going to impose itself. It means that they're going to control the outcome, and the outcome has already been decided. Because the question is whether the government is legitimate, and you're declaring that you will negotiate with it, uh, so you're making it legitimate. Right. Exactly. Um, the uh, the Silvio Carrillo the the role of the U.S. military uh, not just in the coup but in U.S. thinking about Honduras is something that you've you've brought up. Um, what 
What do the people of Honduras think of U.S. troops being based in their country? And, and how big a, a factor is that in all of these calculations? From, I mean, the history of the U.S. in, in Honduras and Central America is pretty horrific. Um, whether it's establishing military bases or, or helping to organize coups, um, they've been heavily involved and intricately involved in, in ruling Central America. And it's not just about maintaining it in a sphere of influence, it's about protecting U.S. businesses, it's about protecting U.S. military, and, and keeping an eye over Central and South America. And drug and addiction as well. But, I mean, it, this is all, this has been, you know, this began in the 40s, 30s, with the Dulles brothers who who imposed themselves in, in certain places, especially in Latin America. Um, the role of the military people, you know, in general, you don't you don't see them that often. I see them, though, every time I go to the airport in Tegucigalpa, I always see some kind of military uh, member. Um the Honduran people themselves, um, they don't, I mean, they, they, I think they would, especially from talking to my grandmother, I think they would wish they would, they would stop imposing on Honduran affairs, but I don't think they have a major, really a major issue with them being there. I think, I think they could probably establish a really positive and good relationship if, if they were in line with what the Honduran people wanted, which, which is, be a, a democratic country that doesn't doesn't have corruption that can 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 look towards its heroes and be like, oh, I want to be like this person but because could... they're a person of dignity and and they are going to help me. I'm going to help them bring this country back to where it should be. But how does a foreign military presence work with becoming a democracy? It seems uh, in contradiction to the idea. Yeah. I mean, I think for a place like Honduras, it's, I mean, people probably won't agree with me when I say this, but it's, it's, it's sadly an accepted fact of life in Honduras. And, and they, they've come to terms with this because of so much intervention. Now, that should not be the case, but it is. And in Honduras, um, they can, I, I believe that they can uh, survive with a, with a U.S. military there, I think there's an understanding of, of why they should be there. I think there's also fear before this, before these coups. I think to a certain extent, the U.S. military-based uh, presence offered some protection to the Honduran people from their own military force. Sadly, it's really an incredibly complicated issue, and I don't like saying it, but. You know, maybe having a military there is, is good for a reason, but it shouldn't be for this reason. It's very interesting and surprising to me. I, you know, you look to countries like Costa Rica that have decided more or less to get rid of the military and countries like Ecuador that have said, you know, we don't need the U.S. military in our country. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, of course you hear news from Korea and Japan and the Philippines and Italy and Germany of you know all the people who yeah. so bitterly resent 
these U.S. military troops being in their country. Uh, and you say, no, I mean, if the, if the people of the United States were to take hold of their government and say, you know, we don't actually need to have bases in, to have troops in 175 other countries, we'll bring them back to this country. Would the people of, of Honduras actually protest and say, no, we, we want them here? That's a good question. Um, I, I, I couldn't tell you what the answer to that is. People like Mel Zelaya would say, of course not, right? But I think there's a certain amount of stability because of the history in Honduras that, that where they might want them there. Um, there's also a, a certain amount of mistrust of their own police and military. There's a, there's a huge uh, uh, drug trafficking problem. They don't trust their elected leaders. And so I think there's a bit of a, maybe there's a bit of a balance that Hondurans might believe they can, um, they can strike, uh, but not, you know, not, this is just over the top and ridiculous what they're doing now. Indeed. Um, speaking of which, the, the topic of your aunt's assassination, Berta Cáceres, the, the, the evidence uh, apparently is quite clear, but no prosecution is forthcoming is that the current status that's correct um the evidence is clear uh there was an independent uh, international investigative team that uh, a group of lawyers that looked at the uh, evidence that was given um to the prosecution by the government to prosecute these eight individuals who are who are uh, alleged to have committed this crime none of them being the mastermind um and so this, this tiny bit of information that was given um, by, the, by the Honduran authorities to the prosecution is what these lawyers looked at. And what they came up with was connections that went across, all across the government and state security forces. Um, and nothing's been done about it. That, that information is just sitting there. And the Ministerio Público, which is the public ministry who does the investigation, um, is sitting on much more evidence that probably, who knows how high up that goes, but they're not doing anything with it, and they're not doing anything with it on purpose. They've been delaying the, the case for months, and um, the judge uh, in, in this case has demanded that the government present uh, more evidence, but they refuse to. They don't even show up. So the case is just stalled and not going anywhere. And do you think that's because, in part, because of how high up it goes, and how how high up do you think it goes? Well, I absolutely think it goes up very high, if not to the top. Um, they were it was it was clear she was, as I wrote, a thorn in in, in the side of, of this um, government, and she was not going to go anywhere. She was not going to give up, no matter how much they threatened her or how much they attempted to throw her in jail. They even tried to plant a gun on her and claim it was hers, and the charges were thrown out. I mean, they tried everything, and they, you know, they had to resort to their, to their probably to their uh, choice um, way to deal with these things in Honduras, and that was to assassinate her. And and this is, you know, I mean, it's scary to think if with this small amount of evidence that this group of lawyers looked at what else is out there, the amount of evidence that they have. The uh, 
The, I guess the other thing I want to ask you about as someone connected to Honduras but in the United States uh, is U.S. immigration policy. Uh, I mean, here the U.S. is assisting in the, the destruction of a country, helping to make a country more violent uh, and less of a desirable place to live, uh, and yet uh, further restricting admission of, of refugees and immigrants into the United States. Is there, I mean, is there a, 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 real, a real insult added to injury here? You know, that's right. There is the, the U.S. is exacerbating this problem, and, and the current politics are, are making things, if, I mean, if it's at all possible to make things worse, they, they are. Um, there's no solution for these people who are trying to escape their country, which is wracked by, by violence and corruption. And it's, I mean, it's, just, it's shocking to think that, that this is, we are... We are, I don't, I don't even know the right word to use. We, we are not just fomenting this, but, but exacerbating it. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's obvious what is happening, that we are, we are making this problem for this country when we should be helping to create more heroes in Honduras, uh, especially you know, the people of color in Honduras and the women in Honduras. So we, this is what we should be doing, is helping these kinds of people create a community instead of destroying it. And do people in, are people in Honduras aware of the role of the U.S. State Department and the U.S. government in supporting coups and illegitimate elections? Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's what this vote was about. You know, they... they voted Juan Orlando and 80 years of U.S. policy out of office. That's, that's, that's what they just did. No one's talking about that. But that's what they've just done. He is so close to the U.S., to certain members of Congress, and to John Kelly, who's the Homeland Security, Director of Homeland Security. And this is where he gets his power from here in the U.S. This is where he gets his support. And that's why there's been... I'm, you know, unending support from the State Department. And people know that, and they oppose it, and they're willing to go and vote and oppose it, and then to protest when their votes aren't counted, and yet they want U.S. soldiers in their country. That I, I'm still struggling with that one. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it that, you know, it's not that simplistic. That's, that's me, my analysis, and being up here, I don't, I don't, you know, born and raised in the U.S., of Honduran, you know, family, Guatemalan family, but I, I, I think the Hondurans aren't, aren't, let's say, as reactionary as, like, let's call it Mel Zelaya. He's not, he, he would certainly not want U.S. military presence in Honduras, um, but I think there's, I, I think there's a place somewhere in the middle if, if that, if that presence was going to be doing some good in the country, and right now, they are certainly not. Uh, I, I wish we could we could continue the discussion. I'm wondering when they when they did do some good. Uh, we may be able to to have you <laughs> back on. Question. But uh, uh, we've been yes. we're we're quickly running out of time. We've been speaking with Silvio Carrillo. He is Oakland based. He's a freelance multimedia journalist. Check out the website bertacaceres.org. Support the legislation that is written about there. Uh, the New York Times op-ed: America's Blind Eye to Honduras 
Congress's tyrant. We will have all these links up at talknationradio.org. Uh, Silvio Carrillo, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Absolutely. I'm happy to be on again. We can continue the discussion. Don't worry. It sounds good. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.